Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. Today's guests are Kim and Daryl Everard of Clinton, Mississippi. They adore each other and they love and honor God, and I treasure them as friends. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Sandy. Well, thank you for having me at your beautiful home. You're very welcome. welcome. We're sitting on the deck outside. It is a gorgeous day in the summer in Mississippi. So those of you listening may hear a few geese, may hear a few other noises, but we are enjoying today. I first met Kim years ago. You helped me with camps in Illinois. And then about 12 or 13 years ago, our families went on our first mission trip together to Cajamarca, Peru. What is something memorable from that first experience in Peru? I have lots of great memories from Peru, but I guess the humorous side of it for me would be, um, I think we all celebrated our birthdays in Peru. We did. You and me and another friend all had birthdays in May. And for our birthdays, we actually were going up the mountain, I believe, to work uh, at a school. And I they, remember brought, well. they brought us up a porta potty. Yes, for our and birthdays. So we followed the little truck all the way up the mountain that was holding our porta potty for our birthdays. I <laughs> have never been so excited about a birthday gift. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That was great. What do you remember, Daryl? I think for me it was the opportunity to work in an orphanage. We worked around a lot of children. We, uh, we worked up on the roof. We worked painting some of the rooms and we involved the children. And we just got to spend some great time with the kids. And you go to a project like that thinking that you're, uh, you're going to make an impact, but really it's kind of a reversal and that that impact is more made on you and how the children really bless you. and and just getting to know them. I mean, it's something that stuck with me and still sticks with me. I still think about them to this day, so. Absolutely, yeah. we never saw you that there wasn't a crowd of children around you. Yeah. He's always like that. He's, he draws kids in. It was such a blessing in our it lives was. to be able to it experience was. that together. Yeah, yeah, that first mission trip, and it's kind of like you said, Sandy, it was a life changer. Daryl, you worked for a factory in Illinois, and they said, hey, we're opening a new one in Mississippi. We want you to come and help us get the factory open. I know that was an incredibly hard decision for you because you both grew up in Illinois. You had spent your whole lives there. But both of you felt strongly God's leading in that process. Tell me about that. Okay. Well, the, the opportunity first came up and I immediately thought, no, it's not really in our future. It's not something that we want to do. I didn't even share it with Kim at that time. Um, we both had our mothers with us in Illinois at that time. We were caring for them. So I just had kind of rejected the idea. Time had went by, the opportunity came up again, and uh, I just had a different feeling about it. I had a sense of peace that came over me. I left the answer open-ended at that time, and I thought, I'm gonna go home and discuss it with Kim. Went in for breakfast the next morning, and I uh, decided to share this with Kim to get her reaction, so I didn't want to have any expression on my face that might persuade her in any way. She basically had the same reaction that I did, and that she said, I have a piece about this, and I think this is something that we should pursue and pray about. Yeah, so what we decided to do, well, jokingly, I just said, get a U-Haul. 
of course, I knew there, you know, we were going to pray about it. So we made a pact. I said, let's tell no one. I said, not a soul. I said, just me and you for 30 days, we pray about this all the time. And we see what God says about this. And so we stuck to that pact. We didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my best friend. He didn't tell any of his buddies. And that's what we did for 30 days. And every door just kept opening wider and wider and wider. You could see it happening at work for him. Everything we did, I just knew that this was right. So you felt confident God moved you to Mississippi. You've left your family and your friends, but this is what God asked you to do. Mm -hmm. And so you moved confidently. You've got a beautiful new house. Daryl, you're a manager for a corporation. I know finding the right church is tough. I've been there. That is difficult. Finding new friends, that's tough. What happened? Well, everything was progressing really fast. It seemed like we were here, moved in here really quickly. And then once we got here is when we really started to encounter some of the challenges that really, Sandy, I had done little to no research on, didn't really understand the stressful events that can come from moving. I had no idea. Uh, I went into this just straight on, head first, mm -hmm. feeling like this is what God wants me to do. I'm 29 years into this working relationship with my company, so it wasn't a need. It was just wanting to serve God and wanting to be in line with His will for my, mine and Kim's life. Yeah. And then once we got here, the struggles began. I started having some struggles finding the church, feeling like, where can I find the right church? Am I fitting in at work? I have so many new responsibilities. I have all this this uh, this new home life. I've left, I'm kind of a creature of habit. So I left all of my habits behind and the things and the friends that I knew and the support group and, and people to talk to that really that really understood me and came to somewhere where I felt very much alone. And, and you guys also gave up a lot of your possessions and moved here very light yeah. yes. uh, compared to what you had in Illinois. And you could take your time with yeah. hobbies and things like that. Yes. You've moved to a new place and you don't have that here. Um, I, I guess I have a little bit of that type of maybe that nostalgic type personality mm -hmm. to where I like things of the past. I like to collect things. I like things from that my family has passed down to me. So we did make a lot of changes when we moved here. We knew it was going to be necessary based on the space that we had. And I felt really good about that at the time because I thought it, it is a, it's a faith test, okay, when you really let go of things that are really meaningful to you. And I felt really good about that. But later on into this move, those were some of the things that kind of kept going through my mind. A friend of mine give me some really good advice. And that advice was, when you do this, just don't look back. <laughs> and that friend was you, Sandy. And I could not stop looking back. I, was, I tried to tell you so. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I continued to really just get caught up in that. And all I could do was look back. I could not look forward. Well, what were you experiencing at this time, Kim? You gave up your job. Yeah, I had your... retired, so it, it was exciting to me because um, I, did, I did not grow up in Illinois. I grew up in Missouri, and I've lived a few different places. So moving for me uh, was like more of an adventure. Um, I looked forward to it. 
I don't have the ties that Daryl, you know, had in Marion. And so, um, I don't know. I was just, I thought, this is exciting. And I really knew that it was a God thing. I knew that that's what we were supposed to do. And, and we said it to each other. It sounds really good, but it's probably going to be kind of rough. I mean, we discussed that. We said that. I just tried to keep my head up and tried to be positive and tried to just make the house a home and, you know, cook great meals for my husband and just take care of him and thought I can soothe it over with, you know, food and just making the house a home. It started becoming, you could, it was obvious that Daryl was going through some stuff. I think he hid it for a little while. And, How did um, you, when did it become a problem? How did you know? This, um, this is a problem. Yeah. Well, he started experiencing some anxiety. I recognized it because I'd experienced it in my past. Um, he would come home, I mean, and it was just something that we had to talk about continually. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't move past it. Anxiety was, he wasn't sleeping. And there was so much stuff that we went through trying to find a place in the house where it was quiet enough for him to sleep because this house is a little different than what we had before. Every little noise that we would hear would bother him. Um, and I think his mind just raced at night um, on everything, missing home. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing at work? And you know, just so many things that I think he was battling. It just, it was very apparent that he was very depressed and having some anxious moments. How did you know, Daryl, when- that you were having a problem? Well, for me it started when I started somewhat grieving, okay? I felt like, okay, this is just kind of a, kind of like a nightmare that I'm gonna wake up and it's gonna be time to go back home. I really was kind of grieving that homesick feeling. I thought, man, I'm, I'm missing a lot of things, you know, my family, my even my church family, uh, you know, the, the church group, I, all the things, my feelings, uh, like Kim said, you know, I was so filled with anxieties and I could not sleep at night and I became really hypersensitive to everything around me, okay? My perspective was just in looking back behind me, not really being able to look forward. During that time, what did the, what did the worst days look like? The worst days were bad. Yeah. It's hard to kind of even really talk about. Sandy, it just, it gets, you get to the point to where you just feel like you're more of a, of a problem and then you are a solution. So it got really, I got in a really bad state of depression and really not really wanting to go forward with this. I just wanted to stop. It got that bad. You just wanted got, the pain to stop. I, it did. It really did. And there are so many people that may not understand that because I had people that I would talk to that would say, you have a good job. You have a beautiful wife. You have a beautiful home and two cars in the garage. What do you have to be upset about? What do you have to be down and depressed about? I tried telling myself that over and over, but I couldn't, it just did not work. I was caught in that, in that realm of just being uh, very depressed, just in a sense of despair with no hope. You were in a downward spiral and saw no way out. I could, you know, I would wake up every morning thinking about how can I fix this? 
it's what men do. Mm -hmm. We're fixers. We want to fix problems, okay? And I thought, this is one that I should be able to fix, uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't fix it. We had uprooted. It's just one of the things that I thought, I have no way to be able to fix this problem. Kim, what was the darkest day for you? Um, we talked about it so often. I, like I said, it progressed, and I could just see Daryl just fading. I mean, we couldn't even really have a good husband and wife conversation because it was so centered around him being so miserable. So then I started becoming miserable. I didn't know how to help him anymore. I didn't know what to say to him anymore. I would try to give advice, and I would try to constantly remind him that God brought us here. We're supposed to be here. We may not know why, but we're here, and we're going to do this. And I would say those same things. We have a home. We have food. We have everything we need here. And it just it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He couldn't go to work one day. He just said, I can't go to work. I can't do this anymore. And I said, well, we need to call and talk to him and see, you know, what can they do to help you? And, and thankfully, his company was able to send him to a lady that we got to talk to that really, I think, helped Daryl so much because sometimes the person that you live with, when you listen to them over and over and over, it sounds different when you hear it from someone else. From an expert. <laughs> from an expert. Mm -hmm. And when Daryl had said it more than once that he didn't want to go on, I mean, I was very fearful. I was terrified to the point of, do I take items from my home and get them out of here? And I, and I did. Called my friends. I had people praying for him all the time. I cried out to new neighbors, friends back home, and people were praying constantly. And you were one of them. We were praying. Yeah. That's why I think our conversation today will be so helpful because from a distance, it's hard to watch. I can't imagine, Kim, what you went through yeah. day in and day out, just knowing what your friends went through from a distance. Yeah. Um, and Daryl, that's incredibly courageous of you to come to the point to say, I need help. You're in a new place. Mm -hmm. You want to make a good impression on the new bosses. Mm -hmm. And you say, something's wrong, I need help. That's incredibly courageous. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a journey getting to that point because typically men don't really want to admit that we may need this kind of help. We're struggling with fear or we're struggling with our emotions or whatever that may be. Uh, and we don't want to admit that. And I knew that uh, I kept going back to the reasons that I, you know, that we moved here. This was a God decision. We moved here to serve the Lord. And I moved here not to make my wife miserable but to make her happy and I started kind of blaming myself for a lot of these things that was going wrong okay knowing that I, I, even though I can't change it uh, I'm I'm to blame here I, I started really putting all this responsibility onto me and I knew that I had to reach out and I had to start talking to some people about this and I did. I talked to my boss. I called him up, and I told him what I was struggling with. And I was kind of amazed that it really wasn't that much of a shock to them as I thought it, it would be. Okay, I was kind of amazed by that. And they really put my mind at ease and told me that to take as much time as I needed. 
that they kind of understood that I had uprooted. I had been in the same town, same area for 57 years of my life, and that they kind of understood how this can really be a very stressful event in your life. And so they were uh, very eager to help me. And What an incredible yeah, blessing. Yeah. yeah. It really Boy, was. Boy, that had to, just that moment had to take an enormous weight. It, it really it, did. The struggle's not over yet, but you're not bearing it alone. Right. And right. others are understanding. Right. So they right. referred you to a counselor to get the help you needed? They did. They did. I went to see my counselor, and that's it was very beneficial. I think that, along with the prayers, I knew people were praying for me. We have some close friends back in Illinois also, uh, Jerry and Melanie, and they would also call and encourage and send words of encouragement, send prayers, send things through the mail that made an impact on me. As you look back, you can see what are the things that really got you through that. And, and it, Sandy, it was the prayers for one and then it really was just being able to sit down and to share what was going on inside with someone who understood it and could give me some good feedback and i've got to admit that i was a little bit thinking that this ain't going to work this is not going to work this talking stuff but you're at such a point where you don't as his wife not knowing what to do anymore. I didn't even know what to say, didn't know how to react, and was trying to keep from being mad at him. I didn't want to be mad at him. I wanted to be loving and caring and understanding. But and at some point, you reach your boiling point, too. I, yeah, you do. And uh, But I was so skeptical of a counselor. I never, ever said that to Daryl because I thought, I'm not going to be negative at all. The day one that we went in there together, we went to every session together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That day one, I thought, this is going to be good. I think this is going to be fine. A lot of help she was. As Christians, what questions should we be asking to help us better understand the needs of people who are struggling with mental health issues? What should we be doing? What, what will you do next time you find someone who's struggling? And you know, Sandy, that's a good question because I, I look at, at the things in my life that I've been through in a lot of a lot of hills and a lot of valleys and I, I look at that and I think there's purpose in all of that as there's purpose in this right here because even though you know I felt uh, all alone I had more people around me when when we moved here than I ever had around me in Illinois at Christmas time and Thanksgiving you know our pastor and his wife were here and we had neighbor friends that were here and we had people around us but I felt more alone than I have ever felt in my life and I think these are the kind of questions that you know we need to learn to recognize these things and we need to learn to realize that while everything might appear okay on the outside it may not appear like we're struggling on the outside, but on the inside we can be falling apart. And we need to just be, a, I think we as, as Christians need to be just a little bit more mindful of some of the struggles that people can be going through and then how we can impact that. And I think a lot of that is just through relationships, okay? I, I agree that that's yeah. the key. And, and being transparent with each other. That's what I was going to say exactly. We've got to be transparent. You know, it's it's harder for men to be transparent than it is women because I didn't feel what Daryl felt as deeply. I mean, I had a little taste of it, 
women will reach out to other women. I, you know, we can make a friend. I can call the pastor's wife, even though I don't know her that well. Or I can call, you know, the neighbor. I, women are just a little bit, we're, we go there. Men seem to shy away from that. And I would encourage Daryl, please call the pastor. Please, you know, do this, do that, or go have coffee or something like that. And it's just, it's just harder for guys. Yeah. It just I, is. I so agree with that. we got to know that about the men, you know, so there's probably a great ministry right there, you know, for men themselves. Well, as church people, we are so trained. How are you doing? Fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We almost see it as a weakness if we let any little bit show through that's not fine. Yeah. From what I'm learning, Sandy, uh, we're, we're really kind of deceiving ourselves when we do that because we're, we're not allowing people to really get to know who we are. I couldn't bear this alone. I believe the Bible says we're to bear each other's burdens. So I thought, I've got to let some of mine out because I can't carry this by myself. So I would say it in my Sunday school class. We had a preacher who would say it. Who needs prayer requests? My hand's up because I, I need it and I need it today. And he pulled me and in, in the others that had asked for it into the center of the room and they gathered around us and they had prayer over the things that we were going through. Yes, men are not the best at building relationships. I'm guilty of that. I felt like all of my life, I'm okay. When you grow up and you don't have the male influences in your life, you're a little bit standoffish mm -hmm. to those kinds of things. You just are. It's just a normal thing that happens to men. But we need to learn to move past that. And my perspective on that has changed. In the same way that the very first mission trip opened my eyes to a lot of other things in the world, other needs and other uh, struggles that people have in this world, my perspective on relationships has drastically changed as a result of the last year. This pain is fresh. Yeah. It is fresh. It is raw. When I called you and said, hey, I'm coming through, would you let me interview you? I, I was kind of surprised that you said yes, because it is so fresh. Why, why did you say yes to me? The reason, Sandy, is because uh, during this process, once I started to get on top of these feelings, this grief and this despair, I wanted to reach out to the people that had made a difference in my life during the previous year and let them know how they did it. And you were one of those people because God put you in Mississippi at the right time when I was in one of my lowest points in my life and used you to reassure me that he's still in control. I'm not, but he is. My plan was is to sit down and write that out in a letter and let you know that and send it to you and tell you that you allowing God to use you and, and I may not just be overstating this, really could have saved my life, okay? Because I was in a really desperate, deep, dark place at that time. So it was a life-changing event for me at that point, too, because I really began to realize, although it took me a, a pretty lengthy time after that, to start rounding the curve. But I knew then, Sandy, that eventually everything was going to be okay. Wow, and that was just December. Let's let the listeners in. We had gone to a worship service with missionaries from around the world, and it was a tiny gathering in a tiny chapel. There probably weren't 
30 people right. there, but it was a powerful night. Very, very powerful. powerful. I'm so glad very that you guys agreed to yeah. come. I mean, that was a last minute thing where you just said, I hey, did. Yes. you know, I want you guys to show up. And I think we were out shopping that day and we just on a whim said yes. And it was a struggle for me to even say yes at that time, to even get out into being around other people. And when Kim asked me, Sandy has invited us, do you want to go? Again, I just said, yes, it just comes out. I, I don't know, it's, it just has to be God, that's all I can say, because it does, it just comes out. And I was so thankful that I did. And, and it's the same thing with this interview, because you are right, these feelings are raw. I began to do the same thing after I said yes. I had some uh, waking moments that night thinking, am I gonna be able to go through this? Is it too soon? Are these feelings too raw? And do I really want to talk about it? Is it going to give me a setback? But it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't give you a long time to think about it. I want a yes or no answer, okay? Yeah. Just do it quick. <laughs> well, what would you tell someone that may be struggling at this moment? What would you say to them? Either one of you. Just rely on your, you know, your faith and your heart. I mean, that is, I'm, I just can't tell you a million times over that if you know it's from God, don't ever doubt that. It was just, everything just lined up too perfectly for it not to be from God. The positive outweighs the negative still for me. And I just think this is where we're supposed to be because it was just ordained by God. I just will not waver from that. And Daryl knows that about me. I mean, even in the darkest days, I would say it. We're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be here. And you know what? We may not ever really know why. I did ask that, why are we here? And I had someone here locally from our church say to me, you know what, maybe it's not for you to know why you're here. And I said, well, maybe you're right. So now I've even quit looking for why are we here? I've quit, we're here. So what are we supposed to do now we that we're here? To do? We're just gonna be obedient, um, you know, and I think, you, I know what you're gonna say, you can go ahead and jump in there. We've had opportunities. Yeah, well, the opportunities just keep coming. I think, Sandy, what I would say to someone who is struggling seems kind of cliche, but I, I mean, I want to say it again. You're really not alone in these kinds of struggles. People that you think are not struggling, we're all vulnerable to these kinds of things in our lives. We all are. Nobody is above this. And I think we need to open up and we need to share with people and we need to be willing to take the time to sit down and invest in people's lives and let them know that we care. If you have someone who genuinely cares about what you're going through, it makes a huge impact on you. I had one neighbor down the street who would just stop by and say, I just want to know, how are you doing today? So I would say to that person, please don't do it alone. It's really impossible to do these things alone. Share, share these things with other people. Get the help that you need. Uh, just realize that it, it's okay. When you asked that question, I was thinking of a quote that I just recently read in a book, and it said uh, one good way to tell if someone needs encouragement in their life is to check to see if they're breathing. Hmm. Okay, so we we all need this encouragement from from other people. Okay, all of us. It's just that is a great word. Yeah. What scriptures did you find encouraging through this process that helped you the most? 
Well, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where we put on the armor of God. This is a daily, daily process to where we, we're ready to put on the breastplate, to put on the helmet. And then after we've done all that, Sandy, even after we've put, we've put all of our gear on and we're ready to do battle, okay, because it is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And when we do that, then we're to pray. Prayer is when you're down and when you're really in a bad place, it's hard to pick up your Bible and it's really hard to even pray. When you have people around you who will lead you in that process, and if we don't understand, if you're struggling with something, and I, I haven't been through it, I may not be able to relate to it, I can always pray with you about it. I can always say, let's go to the one who really does have the answers. We can pray about these things. I believe God redeems our pain, and I'm confident your experience is going to help someone today. If you're listening and you find yourself in a similar situation, Please get help today. Find a doctor or a Christian counselor who will walk with you. Kim and Daryl, you are both a blessing in my life, and I love you dearly. And I think those that are listening today are going to know why I love you dearly. Thank you for being willing to talk with us about this very difficult topic. You're welcome. Well, Sandy, thank you for taking the time to allow this to happen. We very much appreciate you and the impact that you had in our lives, and we love you too. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations.